Good afternoon, Naka. It's a joy to be here with you again. It's always good to be at Naka. And I received the invitation to be here with you, Dr. Fawoli. I checked my calendar and it's good that I was free so I could be here with you. Gave me the topic, how to keep your wife loving you. And I said, boy, what a topic. <laughs> I hope you are excited as I am to talk about that topic. <laughs> Amen. I want to let you know that I try to practice what I preach. <laughs> uh, so you see my wife is here after 42 years of marriage. She's still looking good, and she's still in love with the brother. <laughs> Through the ups and downs, the sunshine and shadows, she's still in love. And the brother's still in love with her, too. In fact, I've said to her, anytime she plans to leave me, I'm going with her. <laughs> We're delighted to have our children here with us. It's such a joy to have family with you. And so we're happy to have Clintel. You want to wave Clintel? Let's everybody. And her husband, their husband, Tim. Praise the Lord. And uh, their children, Caleb and Ethan. Let's see them give a wave as well. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And of course, we have Clinton, who has come all the way from Douglasville to be here with us today. Clinton, let's do the wave. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We are happy to have him with us. And, uh, and Janet is here with us. Oh, yes. Okay. I didn't see Janet. Welcome, Janet. We are happy to, to have Clinton and Janet here with us from, from Douglasville. We say that they live uh, out of state, but they're you know, it takes a long drive to get over there, but we're happy to have them with us this morning. I noticed that uh, you have changed a bit since last I was here, because I looked at the time, and it's now saying five to one, and I say, Naka, like they're having more and more church. <laughs> so I, I hope it's okay if... Um, if, you know, the preacher is not being held responsible, all right? So say, well, the church went long today. It's not the preacher, all right? We're going to work, you know, they told me that I have the divine hour. <laughs> but we'll certainly not keep you that long. So let's talk to the Lord and and then we will talk to you. Before I talk to the Lord, however, I want to say to the ladies that I've been invited to speak to the men today. So I just want you to listen in. Is that okay? I don't want you to elbow him anytime. <laughs> you could take some notes, and when you go home, you could say, remember what the preacher said? <laughs> All right? I, I imagine when I come back the next time to speak to the ladies, we, we'll have it reversed. 
But even today, I'm sure that we'll have some information that could go both sides. Is that all right? So we'll all listen and be joyful in the Lord. Amen. Father in heaven, we have come together in Jesus' name. We lay aside all our cares and all our concerns even now. And just pray that your spirit will fill this house. Touch every heart, sanctify every spirit, uplift every countenance. Make every child of yours happy in Jesus today. And bless the word to every heart. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. I do want to acknowledge also my my dear sister Miriam and her husband Clyde who's here with us. Uh, Miriam is a faithful soul that every week she has a special drink that she ensures that I have for the last I don't know how many years. It comes without fail every week and I enjoy it so much. <laughs> Thank you so very much Miriam. May God blessings continue to be with you. William Shakespeare in his joyful comedy entitled As You Like It describes okay my power is gone is it going to come back? alright it's just here alright I'll work with it William Shakespeare in his joyful comedy As You Like It describes the seven stages of man he describes these seven stages as the helpless infant the whining schoolboy the emotional lover, the devoted soldier, the wise judge, the old man still in control of his faculties. I'm kind of there now. <laughs> and the final stage, stage seven, the extremely aged who has now returned to a second stage of helplessness. The seven stages of man. But this man that Shakespeare describes was created by the God of heaven and earth. Could you say amen to that? God wanted to prepare a loving world for the human family. And so he looked upon our darkened, formless earth and said, let there be light. And there was light. Then in thoughts made audible, God separated the waters above from the waters beneath and separated the waters beneath to one side, creating heaven, the earth, and the, and, the, and the sea. God was laying the groundwork for something special. It was time to build a garden and put some food on the land. And yes, God did it. There were plants and vegetation and fruit trees. And the one I love the most is the mango fruit tree. I don't know how many of you love it, but I will go anywhere for a mango these days. But the place was still dark. So God flung the sun and the moon into existence. And then as if decorating a Christmas tree, he dotted the earth with amazing stars that add so much beauty and joy and light to all around. And now came the time for living creatures. And God made sea creatures. He made land creatures into existence. He was building up to the crowning jewel of his creation man. And so on the sixth day, God got to it finally. God the Father said to God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
And let that man have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over uh, the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Man had that dominion. Man, God's crowning creative act, he was to be over everything. Ellen White in the book Education, page 15, says, When Adam came from the Creator's hand, he bore in his physical, mental, and spiritual nature a likeness to his Maker. God created man in his own image. Hallelujah! I am not the, the child of a monkey. I'm the son of God. I did not evolve. I was created in the image of Almighty God. Oh yes. The man was, God created man in his own image. And it was his purpose that the longer man lived, the more fully he should reveal his image, becoming more and more like God. All the faculties were capable of development. Their capacity and vigor were continually to increase. That's our heritage, man. Created in the image of God. And as we grew, we were to become more and more God-like. Hallelujah to the Lamb today. But man was incomplete. Adam looked around and saw all the birds and all the animals and all the creatures, they all had companions. But he was poor me one. He was alone. But you know, I believe God created that hunger within Adam that he could develop an appreciation for his Eve when he finally got her. Hallelujah. So he will treasure her for the rest of his life. God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a help meet comparable to him. And so Eve was created from Adam's side. She was not to control him at the head, not to be trampled on her feet as an inferior, but to stand by his side as an equal. Loved and protected by him. She was the second self. Showing the close union that should exist in this relationship. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. And be joined to his wife. And they shall be one flesh. Brothers, when Adam saw Eve that Friday evening. He shouted, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Whoa. She is so fine, I'm ready to dine. <laughs> Some very conservative Adventists say that he waited until Sunday morning, but I certainly doubt that. After 6,000 years, however, man has strayed so far from the divine ideal. And so I'm here today to remind us how to keep your Eve in love with you. 
And so I'm going to give you seven tips at this time. Is that okay? Seven tips how to keep your Eve in love with you. First of all, make sure there is love before marriage. Did you hear me? Make sure there is love before marriage. You know, there are some folks married for the wrong reason. This brother was in church wanting a wife. And he had his eye on this particular sister who did the flowers. She came first every Sabbath morning to do the flowers. And he said, you know, in his mind he wanted to trick the Lord. So he prayed, Lord, I pray that the first person who shows up in church on Sabbath morning should be the wife you have for me. And he went and sat down right up front and he's praying because he knows that this is a sister who comes in first every Sabbath to prepare the flowers for the worship service. But for some strange reason this particular Sabbath, He began to hear this strange vo uh, song coming from the back. And he was praying, Lord, may the first person that shows up. But he began to doubt, that doesn't sound like the sister I know. <laughs> Finally, he summoned the courage to look around. And instead of that beautiful babes that he was hoping that will be there, he saw 75-year-old Sister Lizzie. <laughs> With one foot shorted on the other, she's coming up, hop and drop, hop and drop off the church. <laughs> he said, Lord, not that one. <laughs> Married for the wrong reason, trying to fool God. There's another couple I know, the husband wanted an ATM machine and he saw that she had lots of money. And she wanted a toy boy because she had, likes a lot of fun. And so the love was out of the picture. One wanted an ATM, one wanted a toy boy. And both forgot that the toy boy wanted love and the ATM machine also had feelings and wanted love. You've got to marry for love because God has joined you together in love. So make sure there is marriage, there's love before there is marriage. But I want to say to you today, if you got married for the wrong reason, I am sorry, but you put yourself in it. <laughs> but I have good news for you today. The God of heaven and earth is still alive and is still at work in restoring and redeeming lives. And I'm saying by his grace and the other six points I'm going to share with you, you can still have a happier home. Uh, because marriage is not so much finding the right person, but it is being the right person. Are you listening to me, men? Men of Naka say amen. amen. All right. Being the right person, being whole in yourself. Uh, and God could certainly bless and enrich that relationship. You can pray, God, help me to love this woman as you love her. And I'm sure that God will hear and answer your prayer. 
Second point, know your love language. Do what, everybody? No, you didn't hear me. Know her love language. Know her love language. There's a great book by Gary Chapman, which I recommend, The Five Love Languages. I encourage you to read it. You know, Gary Chapman talks about the five lang love languages of love as words of affirmation. I'm telling you, words are powerful. I don't know who said that, you know, uh, had that quote about bricks and stones can break my bones, but words could never harm me. He ain't know what he's talking about. Because words can hurt. Words can destroy. Words can kill. Be careful with your words. You just go to that prison cell and, and talk to that guy who, who, whose father said uh, that I hated you uh, uh, and what has led to his life of crime. Or, or, or go to the mental hospital and meet that sister who said that my husband said he never loved me and walked away on her. And, and now she is in that mental hospital. Go to the special needs class, the classroom, and see those youngsters who have bereft of the love of parents and see what damage it has caused them. Words matter. So words of affirmation, men, learn to speak kind words. Learn to speak loving words, affirming words. Words of life and beauty. Words of hope and encouragement. Then there are also words of affirmation. They're acts of service. Learn to take out the garbage. Learn to uh, clean the kitchen. Uh, be there for, for, the, for the spouse. Sometimes even press that dress for her. Make sure that you are extending yourself in acts of service. There are some people say that uh, uh, my husband doesn't love me. And he says, well... I, I, I love you. Uh, you know, I bring all the money in the house. Yes, uh, but you do not clean the kitchen. <laughs> or or, or you, you do not cook me any food. Women and men are different. They tell me that women are from what? Mars and men are from Venus. You know, my wife, you know, she loves to go to bed early. I love to go to bed late. Uh, I love raisins. She loves prunes. We're different. Uh, people are different, and you have got to learn not what you like, but what the other person likes. Am I, are you with me today? When you want to catch a fish, you do not give the fish the bait you like. You give the fish the bait the fish likes. Man, are you with me? Are you still with me? All right, I want you to talk with me. So if you are interested in keeping your wife in love with you, you have to do not what you like, but you have to first understand what she likes. Amen. And give her what she likes. Huh? Happy wife, happy life. Hallelujah. All right. So look at the, the, uh, the five love languages. Words of affirmation, access service, receiving gifts, quality time, physical touch. Each one is important and expresses love in its own way. Number three, stop window shopping. Stop doing what, everybody? That's right. You have made your decision. You had your time. You looked wrong. You shopped wrong. I like this. I don't like this. I like that. I don't like this. Uh-huh. And then finally, you made your decision. Sealed with a kiss on your wedding day. Hallelujah. Now, 
live with it. She will never be perfect. But guess what? Neither will you. Huh? They tell me that second marriages generally have a lower survival rate than first marriages. And so you've made your decision at the altar before God and the company of believers present. You said, for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness or in health, till death, do us part. One man misinterpreted that and he said, the preacher said I could have 16 wives. So what are you talking about? He said, the preacher told me four better. <laughs> four worse. <laughs> four richer. <laughs> four poorer. <laughs> no, 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 no. The real man is not the man who has a lot of women. It's the one who cherishes the one he got. Are you listening to me, church? James chapter 1 and verse 21. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Get rid of the moral filth. Stop trying to be the village ram. That you want to be touching everything, you know. You know. I remember I was at the vegetable stand uh, looking at this <clears throat> this guy. You know, he was trying to chew some tomatoes, and he picked up this one, touch it, looked at it, and put it down. Pick up this one, touch it, and put it down. Pick up another one, touch it, and then put it down. The woman uh, who was selling the tomatoes looked at him in disgust and she said, stop touching up my tomatoes. <laughs> because when you touch it up and put it down, the next person doesn't want any touched up thing. A word to the wise is sufficient. Stop touching up the tomatoes. Number four. Treat her as an equal. She's your wife. She's not your child. She's not your maid. She's not your ATM machine. Don't go military on her. So when you command, you expect her to respond immediately. You know, some men find a good woman. They then use her, abuse her, and then refuse her as they move on to the next prey. That's a tragedy. Brothers, Naka men, I encourage you to love your wives as your equal. Listen to her. Value her. Value her opinions. Value and listen to the needs that she has. Importantly, don't lay your hands upon her. A real man never hurts a woman. Be careful when you make a woman cry, for God counts her tears. Let me say something to 
our men here to this especially. You know, we have come from other cultures. Well, particularly another culture. And you know, it's good to retain aspects of our culture. Our food, our dress, our language. We do not want to destroy our past in order to function in the present. Because we have a history. I will always be a West Indian, no matter what happens. I, I travel the world, but I have come from that background. Most of you here will always be Nigerians because you have come from that background. And you need to treasure your background. But I also want to say to you that while you need to remember your history and your background, you cannot be a prisoner of your background. We now live in the United States of America. We are the benefits of additional exposure, additional education, additional experiences. We begin to see the world on a larger plane. Am I talking true today? Huh? So we become more global in our thinking. Is that right? And I think that's a good thing. When I go back to my country, sometimes I am sympathetic because when you only live in a small environment where you're born and grew up and die within five miles of a five-mile radius, your, your thinking is limited to that five-mile radius. But as you expand and as you travel, you begin to see the world differently. You know, I've been to South Africa six months after Mandela was released, and I saw those folks jumping and dancing and singing, you know, and I had come from England where you sit and listen. And I had to take that into my understanding. Sometimes you can be critical of something that is new because it is different from what you knew before. But you have to open up your mind and say, this is also okay. Am I talking truth today? So we expand our thinking. Uh, uh, because of our global reach and our global experience. So I want to say to you that don't try to keep your wife back in Nigeria. You are living in North America. Don't try to live like you lived in the village in Nigeria in North America. <laughs> She has been exposed to a new environment. She has been exposed to more education. She has been exposed with a new philosophy and thinking, a global thinking. So the expectations you have had back in Nigeria have to change. The wife that you had in Nigeria is not the wife that you will have now in North America. Because you have changed and she has changed. Hallelujah. So you don't want to put her into the, the same box and control her in the same way. 
Am I talking truth today? Because she has, she has been exposed. Like a flower, she has been blooming. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Strong men will appreciate that. And appreciate the strengths that she now brings to the table. But a weak man will say, I don't know what's wrong with this woman. I, I, I can't stand her anymore. I go back to Nigeria and find a Nigerian woman. <laughs> no. You have grown. And maybe you still need to grow. And she has grown. And she will still grow. And the two of you need to continue to grow together. Like a beautiful plant in the vineyard of the Lord. So I'm saying some of the some of the practices of the past may need to go. You know, because we don't have cassette player anymore. We don't have a track cartridge anymore. We don't have outside toilets anymore. So it's not only in the physical that things have changed. In the mental and emotional, things have also changed. And you have to be broad enough to deal with change. <laughs> it's either you change or you die. <laughs> so you better change. So when you see the new approaches and the new thinking and the new style, they say, okay, I got to deal with it. I got to step up my game. I got to remain the man in the house. And the man in the house sometimes doesn't mean to mean the commander in the house. The man in the house might mean doing the dishes while she's out working. Woo, mercy. Huh? The concept of man and woman in a marriage will change. Hallelujah to the Lamb to the end. I want to talk to our men today to understand that. Because as we move from culture to culture, we have to know what we are able to keep and what we are able to grow from. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Yes, today. Yes, yes, yes. Now, let's go to number, number five. Seek a win-win resolution of conflict. A win-win resolution of conflict. We cannot adopt the approach, men, that I wear the pants in the house. So it's my way or the highway. Because some sisters might say, okay, the highway. <laughs> All right? In every marriage, there'll be times of difficulty, misunderstandings, hurt feelings, and negative attitudes. They'll show up from time to time. Any couple that tells you that they need, they, 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 they never had a, a quarrel in their marriage, tell them go and have one. <laughs> because they need to stop the pretense. Because they're living a life of pretense. They got to keep it real. You know, some of us love to pretend. I was in my church one Sabbath morning, sit, sitting in the back waiting to uh, ascend the platform when one of the elders came up to me and I uh, was just chatting. I said, man, I had a rough week, man. He said, pastor, you had a rough week? Big pastor like you? I said, yes, man, I did. 
He said, I, I, I never have a rough week, Pastor. You see, while I'm living on earth, I'm walking in heaven. So, whoa, that's deep. <laughs> I don't know, but it seems to me like he left heaven a few months after because <laughs> his wife called me in anger to come visit because she just got so mad at him, took up a rock and smashed his windshield. <laughs> and then she picked up the phone and called me. <laughs> She said, I'm so disgusted with him. La, 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 yakity, yak. And she started to outlay all of the problems and frustrations she had with this man. I said, that's the man who says he's walking in heaven. <laughs> you know, I said, people love to pretend. They try to be so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. Be real. Are you listening to me? Be real. You have difficulties. You have challenges. Talk about it openly, honestly, transparently. Uh-huh. Open up to your mistakes. Acknowledge them before your spouse. Ask for forgiveness. And pledge to do better. And don't try to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Try to grow from your past. And learn to say, I'm sorry. There's magical healing in those words, I'm sorry. Never be too big to say, I'm sorry. Number six, take time for intimacy. I'm coming home now. <laughs> Earlier I talked about uh, Gary Chapman about the importance of physical touch. The Bible says that a man should leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. This idea of one fleshness is what makes a marriage. It is the glue that makes the marriage. The one fleshness is what makes you husband and wife as opposed to brother or sister or roommates. You know, there are some couples who live in a house together but they do not live together in the house. Let me rewind and replay because you didn't get that. I said there are some couples who live in a house together, but they do not live together in the house. I go to my room and you go to your room. We come to church and we smile and we shake hands but we're not living together. 
But God has designed one fleshness to soothe the aches and pains, to uplift the emotions, to put a spring in your step, a, a, a smile on your face, and a, a joy in your heart. One fleshness. You come away from your one fleshness experience ready and confident and supported to face the future. One fleshness. But men, it must be done right. First, let me tell you that if you want to get to heaven by 11, start before 7. I'm talking big people talk here now. <laughs> Little attentions in the day prepare you and your wife for the big attention later. Don't be the man that is only slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. And she's left wondering, what just happened? <laughs> there are many ways to suck an orange. You could just grab that orange. Come here, orange. Cut it in four. And slap it down into your mouth. Ah. No, 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 no. You don't want to suck an orange like that. You want to take time with your orange. Uh-huh. So you take that orange. And so what a beautiful orange. My, my, my. This is my orange. Huh? And you take time, you take time, you take time to, to just peg the orange slowly. Huh? Take your time. You're in no rush. Peg the orange slowly. Huh? Work with the orange. Huh? Even the orange will get excited as well. Because you're taking time and care with the orange. Huh? Am I talking to some man today? <laughs> All right. You get the message. <laughs> If you don't know what to do after that, God help you. <laughs> Number seven, make God your partner. As a man of God, you are to let your light shine. And the first place your light should shine is in your home and in your marriage. You can't be having the hell of a fight with your wife in the car and coming to church with a big smile greeting the saints as if you just came from heaven. Model the love of Jesus in your life. Pray with her and for her 
and for the family. The measure of a man's real character is what he does when no one is looking. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, he has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. When your wife takes in sick, will she love to ask you to pray for her? Does she see God in you? Are you a representative of Jesus in the home? Do you gather the family together and be the spiritual leader of the home? That's your role as a man created in the image of God. To be a spiritual leader. To be a man after God. Calling your family to righteousness. And ultimately, to the kingdom of God. Marriage is not for boys in long pants. It is for men who are prepared to shoulder the responsibilities and challenges that come with leading a home. Every day is not going to be sunshine. Every day you are not going to feel loved and lovable. I remember the newspaper reporter was interviewing this couple after 50 years of marriage. And uh, the reporter asked the woman, have you ever thought about leaving him? And the woman smiled, looked at her husband, put a hand around him and said, worse than that, murdering him. <laughs> Thank God she didn't. They were 50 years together. I'm saying every day you won't feel loved and lovable. Every day it won't be sunshine. Sometimes you'll feel depressed and repressed and oppressed. But it's through the sunshine and shadows that you stay together. Knowing that God is your rock in a weary land. A shelter in your time of storm. You know, marriage is more than a nuptial contract between a man and a woman. Marriage is a divine commitment, first to God, and then to one of his children. Cherish every moment and build memories together. And as the time passes and you get to that seventh stage that Shakespeare talks about, you can look back with satisfaction and joy with the woman of your dreams right by your side. Many of this is your desire today to live as godly men after God's own heart and to build a marriage and to build a home in which Christ is Lord. You are king. Your wife is queen. Join me in standing at this time.
all men of Nakam, all those who are married, as well as those who are planning to be married, uh, I want you to stand in commitment at this time. I want to pray for every man of Nakam today. Sisters, if you want to join me in prayer for the men of Nakam, As they present their present or future marriages to the Lord, I want to invite our sisters to join the men in standing at this time. We are praying for the men of Naka at this time. Sisters, you want to join the men in standing as you silently offer prayer for the men of Naka. That there will be men, not only men of, uh, of the church, but indeed men of God. Just stand with me today as we pray for our men. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Our Father and our God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for the marriage institution created by you way back in the Garden of Eden when you gave Eve to Adam. You have intended it, Lord, for the happiness of your children and for the procreation of the race. But Lord, over the years, it has become so messed up. Lives have become so alienated. There has been so much hurt. There has been so much pain. Even among us today, Lord, there may be husbands and wives who are hurting because of problems, pressures within the home, within the marriage. Some have even had to walk away from their marriages because it was just too painful to sustain. But Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus right now that you will heal every broken heart. You will comfort every afflicted soul. You will bring peace to troubled hearts. And you will restore marriages to the Edenic ideal today. Unite, Lord, husbands to their wives. Make love flow again. Lord, help those who need to ask for forgiveness to gain the courage so to do. Help them to learn to love again as Jesus loves. Forgive the failures of the past. Forgive the harsh words, the mistakes, the missteps. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll come into every home and into every heart. And let love flow again. Thank you for homes. Oh Lord, we pray that every home may be a shining beacon of what the church of God ought to be. And ultimately, Lord, at your coming, I pray that every man of Naka here today 
with the spouse he has or the spouse that he will have will indeed find a place in God's eternal kingdom. Remember our children that have come from these relationships as well, O oh Father. Bless and guide them. Lord, may they see love in their homes. May they see unity among their parents. Lord, may your love fill that home so the children will grow confident, successful, and at peace because they know that they belong to a home that honors the name of Almighty God. So hear our prayer in a special way today. And dismiss us, Lord, with your blessings, with your grace, with your forgiveness, and ultimately your love. We ask in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. 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 Please be seated for a moment as we come to a closing hymn.